I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Jane Garvey. And I'm Fee Glover. Off Air with Jane and Fee is going live. We are taking to the stage at the amazing Crucible Theatre in Sheffield on Friday the 31st of May. It'll be a night full of surprises. We'll have a special guest, we'll involve you in the audience and we'll embarrass ourselves. You really won't want to miss it. Well, the surprises, we don't yet know what's in it, so it genuinely is a night of surprises. Well, you've surprised me already. Uh, It's not just us. Our live show is part of an exciting new podcast festival called Cross wires which is taking place in some really amazing venues across sheffield from the 31st of may to the 2nd of june so other podcasters that you'll be able to see include katie price Catherine ryan romash ranganathan and the original adam buxton but there's also a whole host of free fringe events family shows surprise acts and after parties that jane and i haven't yet been invited to i'm sure it's only a matter of time head to crosswires.live for tickets and more information Are you much of a TikTok person normally? No. TikTok is way beyond my social media presence. I'm not very good at social media in general. You're not missing much. I get a lot of dogs and and salads, weirdly. So let's have a look at some of these young Russians. You can read Russian, can't you? Yeah, for sure. With me in the studio at Times Towers, Dr Ian Garner. I am a scholar of Russian identity, myth and war propaganda, and I have just released a new book, Z Generation, Into the Heart of Russia's Fascist Youth. It's a book about these young Russians who signed up to the country's youth army, and they love to TikTok about it. So this here is six girls or so with 
red berets, beige tracksuits, and they're saluting, holding their hands over their hearts. What's the caption there say? So the caption is Forward Youth Army. Hashtag Yaruski. I'm Russian. Hashtag Shaman, who is a popular patriotic singular. And then Prikoli Daslios, which means like hijinks, good times until we cry. Okay. It's like, you know, we're really having an amazing, amazing time here in our uniforms. This is an this is another one. Oh, I don't understand this guy because he sort of seems I don't see what is other than the red berry. I mean, I, I can't quite see what is very army-ish about that. So this is a really good example of how the state uses social media so brilliantly effectively. Mm. The first video we looked at, if you're a young Russian and you're rejecting the state and the state's narratives and the state's ideology, you're just going to say, well, that's, that's not for me. This is a whole load of BS. This is government. I hate it. This guy who was in the youth army, this is much more useful for the state. It's much more subtle. It's much more insidious. Mm. This guy, actually, he has about 33,000 followers on TikTok. He's young, 15, 16 years old. And he incorporates this visual language of the youth army into being an ordinary teenager. Yes. And so he talks on his TikTok feed about just usual everyday teen stuff. You know, here are the girls that I fancy. Here's what I'm studying this evening. I've got exams coming up, blah, 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 TikTok. Hashtag self-actualization. <laughs> but he does it wearing his Youth Army t-shirt. And he's a good-looking lad, right? He seems like he's having a good time in life. It really is classic Instagram and classic TikTok stuff. Mm. It looks like the TikTok videos you know and maybe don't love so much if you're over the age of 21. Mm. It's dances. It's snappy music. It's playing on memes that look really familiar, even Western memes. It doesn't yeah. have to really make sense from an ideological perspective. It just has to appeal. So when other young Russians look at that, they think, hey, maybe joining this group isn't so bad. Maybe this isn't a big fascist move. This could just be a part of life. And a lot of this stuff is produced actually by the groups themselves as sort of formal activities. One day you're dissembling an AK-47, the next day you're doing intensive memeing. Yeah, absolutely. Intensive memeing is a great way to describe <laughs> it. One of the people posting some of these videos is someone who you've looked into in particular, a young girl called Maria. And actually really young, she's what, 14? Yeah. What's her deal? Maria is your classic image of a Putinist success story, at least in the ways that they are trying to indoctrinate and ideologize young Russians today. Maria lives in the southwest of Russia, so we're not talking about sort of liberal, metropolitan, cosmopolitan, Moscow, St. Petersburg, where people have a bit more money and more links with people abroad. This is where the majority of Russians live outside of those cities, right? Mm. And Maria came to her dad's about a year ago now, and said, listen, Dad, I, I want to join the youth army, this youth group that's existed for the last seven years or so. And her dad, Yuri, is a pretty classic Russian millennial dad. He just tries to keep his head down. He doesn't really care about what the state's doing. He doesn't want to have any business in it. He doesn't say yes. He doesn't say no. He tries to say nothing at all. And Yuri said, well, a bit surprised, but sure, go ahead. You know, you can sign up. And Maria was able to sign up to the youth army. You can do it online. You just download an app, fill in your details, and lo and behold, you're in. I did it myself. <laughs> it's 
So I'm, I'm technically a member of the youth army. So if they wonder why Ivan Ivanov from Belgorod has never turned up to parade duty, it's because <laughs> it's <you>. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> and since then, Maria's been going to youth army events, which involves lots of parading. It involves going to classes, learning about the so-called history of Russia, which is a very distorted form of patriotic history. She has participated in things like Victory Day events, but where the real excitement for Maria is, is online, is in creating these kind of little TikTok videos, diaries of her life, which are sometimes ordinary teen diaries, just like those we've seen, mm. and are sometimes videos about how much she loves the youth army. And one really struck me that was Maria, after having had an argument with her mum, saying, well, you know what, screw you, mum, I guess I'll just go live in the barracks. I'd prefer to join this family this state-sponsored family than be in your family. And of course, it's all teen talk, mm. but it creates this environment for Maria's friends, who of course are following on TikTok, where it becomes very normal to engage in this sort of group. In those videos, they all had those red berets on of the youth armies. So it's an organised group, I don't know, something like what the sort of Hitler Youth was? What exactly is it in the physical world? So I think we always have to be a bit wary about comparisons with the Hitler Youth and with Nazism in particular. But yes, this is a state-organised military group. Putin increased military spending. He then created the Youth Army, a voluntary military cadet programme supported by the Ministry of Defence. This promotional video shows them centre stage at Victory Day. Yunarmia is the name of the group, and Yunarmietsi, Young Soldiers. It was founded in 2016, supposedly by the Defence Minister Sergei Shoigu. The state recognised at that point that millennials weren't interested in its wars, in its campaigns of sort of active involvement, just like Maria's dad. Hmm if it wanted to wage aggressive wars, it would have to train young people spiritually, morally, and physically, and those are their words, you can find them on the webpage, yeah. to be ready to fight. So it founded this group, put a lot of money behind it, it now exists across Russia, and the numbers involved are growing and growing rapidly. <laughs> They've grown by about 300,000 in the last year alone. Gosh. To what kind of level? So now we're up to 1.3 million kids. It's what, a sort of a tenth in terms of the youth population of the country? Yeah, so something like that. I was talking to folks who work in the youth army, some of the leaders. They told me we can't cope with the demand. Over the last year, we don't have the resources and the state has actually just upped the budget for the youth army because it wants so many kids enrolled as young as six. And the six-year-olds don't get to fire the guns, but they practice taking the guns apart and putting them back together again. So they'll be ready to do the live firing practice in a couple of years when they grow up. And you said it's in schools, so is it the case that it is increasingly incumbent on young people to join this organisation, or is it a sidebar thing which some of them can be talked into if they want to? Well, the state has adopted a policy of 
the carrot and the stick. The carrot is belonging, is enjoyment, is fun and games, is in getting to be in those little TikTok videos, you and five other pals saluting and listening to a bit of patriotic pop music and having a good time. And you know what? There's an appeal in firing guns for a lot of kids as well. And sometimes it's a very raw sort of bribe almost to get in here. You want to go do good stuff. You want to get a free trip. You want to get a day off school to go and do youth army activities, then sign up. But the important thing is getting kids through the door. Mm. But there is also the stick. There is the promise that you will be left out. You will be excluded. You will become like the Ukrainians. You will become like the, the LGBTQ youth that we target. You will become like the other. So you may not love it, but it's better to be on the inside, isn't it? Yeah. And this isn't necessarily a new idea. In Soviet Russia, there was an equivalent of this, was there? Yeah. So the Soviets had an organization called the Pioneers, which was less militarized, I would say, than the youth army. Children as young as seven can join official youth organizations. Both schoolwork and after-school activities teach collective values. The ideal is a person totally free of individualistic ideas, a team player. Almost every Soviet child was in the pioneers, and it really was like Cub Scouts. Mm. There was ideology because it was the Soviet Union and ideology was everywhere. Yeah. But you could pretty much skip out on the military parts. You didn't need to be involved, and it wasn't really a tool to prepare children purely for military careers, or at least to have that goal so central to the organization's purpose. And so the real innovation is not just the digital stuff and in, in pushing it in that regard, but in making this an organization that's designed to appeal to, they plan to have a third of the school-age population enrolled in the next few years, this is designed to provide bodies for the front. Mm. And you describe this as being fascist. Is this sort of classically fascist, do you think? Well, I think there are elements of it that are classically fascist. And I know that when I use the term fascism, some people have a knee-jerk reaction that I'm just reaching for the most extreme word that I can. And, and I understand that. But there is a really good rationale behind its use. Hmm. Fascism is an ideology in which war is waged to create peace, in which we blame some outgroup, some other, if we can only destroy this other, then we will become better and we will return to a sort of a state of purity, we'll be elevated to a state of betterness, and we'll be able to live in a utopian world in which we can live with the best bits of the Soviet Union, the best bits of the Tsarist era, a bit of Russian folklore. All things will be possible, all dreams will come true, but we've got to wage war. We've got to destroy something within ourselves, but also outside. And isn't it interesting, that fascist way of looking at an idealised future and an idealised life is just so ripe for exploitation of social media, which a lot of social media is about that, isn't it? You know, your best possible life and a sort of glorified version of, of the life you could be living. It really is. And in this really sort of shattered and fragmented reality that we all feel that we live in today, where... The world just seems to be moving very fast. And social media is full of arguments and fights. And you go on social media and about 12 seconds later, you feel so agitated <laughs> and unsure of what's true and what's real. Hmm. It's very easy to create these little bubbles of harmony where things look peaceful. But if you want to create a neo-fascist movement, 
those bubbles are full of very vicious rhetoric. And there must be people, like in the West, people become Instagram or TikTok famous and become sort of celebrities in this world. I imagine that must be the case here as well. Absolutely. So the state is very aware of the power of celebrity and it has long lured influencers into its orbit, mostly with the promises of cash, but sometimes influencers are genuinely on the bandwagon of ideology. And a really good example when it comes to the youth army is around 2019, recruitment efforts were going okay, but maybe not quite as well as they would have liked. The whole organisation looked a bit staid. It looked like your dad's paramilitary youth group rather than something that's that's fun and peppy and social media. Mm. And so they recruited Nikita Nagorny, who is a, an Olympic champion gymnast, as the leader of the group. He doesn't really take the formal decisions. He's more of a figurehead kind of a leader. And this guy, oh, he's a handsome boy. He's 26 now, I think. So he still actually competes as a gymnast. He is ripped, chiseled jaws, always smiling. He has a huge number of followers on social media, 700, 800,000 followers on various different platforms. And he posts a combination of sort of wellness, lifestyle videos, workout videos, videos where he's meeting celebrities. Then he's meeting Putin. Oh, and here he comes posing in youth army uniform, telling you about why Victory Day is so important. Sinister. It is. It's really insidious. And again, it's this idea that not everything is the youth army. We're not throwing it in your face the whole time. We just create this sensation of that if you want to be cool, if you want to have fun, mm. you know, you can you can join and be just like Nikita. Coming up, what happened to the progressive, forward-looking Russia of the 1990s? And will these youth army kids define Russia after Putin? That's in a moment. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ian, if we need a really stark comparison between what's happening with young people now in Russia, I guess we can go back to your own student days. So I lived in St. Petersburg, and back in the 2000s, there were some opportunities to participate in youth groups like Nashi, is the one that most people have heard of. Nashi was a, was a group that briefly existed in Russia that the government created, and basically they were there to stick Putin t-shirts on, cause trouble, push the gaze around a little bit. There were some stories about them harassing the British ambassador. But it was very much about sort of a performance of anger and a performance of youth support for Putin. Mm. But I didn't know anybody who was in Nashi. Nobody knew anybody who was in Nashi. It wasn't cool. It was a bit sad. Most of the people involved were there because they got free tickets into Moscow or Petersburg. Maybe got a little bit of cash for turning up to some rally. And it wasn't really a big indoctrination project. Mm. Most of the people that I knew back then 
were liberal, were looking forward to European futures, wanted to travel, were certainly very interested in talking to me because I'd been abroad and they wanted to practice their English, learn about what life was like, open up their view on Europe and the world. And today it feels like that's flipped around. They want to pull that window shut. Can you give us an example of, of a person, how you knew them in the sort of mid-2000s, early 2000s, and, and how they're dealing with this now? Yeah, for sure. So there was a friend of mine, Svieta, who was quite close to in Petersburg, and she was such an ordinary person, remarkable in personality, but unremarkable in, in political beliefs and the way that she lived her life. And she she took me on tours around Petersburg. She wanted to, you know, show me the sights. She would invite me to family dinners. She wanted me to learn about Russia and show off what a nice place this could be. And she loved indie music. One summer she got tickets to Foles and she was just so super excited. This was about, I don't know, 2008, 2009, yeah. back when indie music was hot. Back when the Foles were popular. <laughs> back when back when Foles were super popular. I'm sure they're doing very well for themselves yeah. now. And Sieta spent the last few years as a school teacher. That was always her intent. And so she's been wrapped up in the middle of this ideologization project as she's seen more and more patriotic content introduced into school syllabuses. And I, I reached out to her to talk to her about the book and she knocked me back and said, you know, things are difficult. I don't want to talk. Right? I certainly don't want to talk to anyone from the West. And I don't think she was being rude. She just, she's looking out for herself. Hmm. And a few days or a few weeks after we'd had that conversation, I, I saw a picture on her VK feed. VK is like the Russian Facebook, this popular social media network. And it was her and her colleagues standing in a school playground there she was, sadly waving a flag. You have to give in. You have to do the performance if you want to participate in civil life. Certainly if you want to be involved in the lives of young people in Russia today. Where does the Z come into this? Because this generation is Generation Z, if you think of millennials and Generation X and all of that. But Z in itself is a bit of a Russia-Ukraine war meme in Russia as well. The whole symbolism of Z is really indicative of the way that the state can whisper meaning into something that is fundamentally empty. Because mm. Z has no basis in Russian culture. There's no precedence for its use anywhere. Basically, they dreamt up its usage as a symbol of war when they didn't win the war in three days. Yeah. Does it even stand for anything? It stands for whatever you want it to okay. be. It's, it's a plastic symbol. Yeah. Some Russians who are opposed to the war use it to say, Zachim. What for? As in, why are we doing all this? Zachim. Mm. But it also means Z-za. And that means for. Zamir. We're doing it for peace. Zaresiu. We're doing it for Russia. We can make it into anything we want. And now, the Z is just unmistakably a part of the war unmistakably associated with a particular ideological campaign. And if it can do it with Z, the state can do it with almost anything in any context. Putin isn't going to be in charge of Russia forever. This war with Ukraine isn't going to continue forever. These 1.3 million youth army kids in Russia will have long lives ahead of them. Do you see this here today, gone tomorrow, like many memes on TikTok and trends that teenagers get into? Or is this something a bit more sinister which could grow up with them and change how Russia grows even beyond the here and now? Well, in a sense, we don't know. We can't predict the future. Mm. 
But what I would say is that when we look at comparable regimes, when we look at Hitler's Germany, when we look at the Soviet Union, when we look even at groups like ISIS, we know that de-radicalization doesn't generally happen overnight. Mm. And when we think about what young Russians are being taught, they are being taught that everything on the outside of Russia is bad, is evil, is threatening. I think it's fair to surmise that those who are on the inside of this world, as things go wrong for Russia, or as potentially, let's say, Russia spectacularly loses the war, Putin is deposed, there is the chance for a fresh start. They're not going to be looking within themselves and within Russian society for the answers about where to start to change things. They're going to be looking for other people to blame. As they're taught that traitors and the West are to blame for Russia's failings to become a great power again in the wake of 1991 when the Soviet Union collapsed. And therefore, I think we have to think about what we're going to do with this generation. Now, I might be wrong. And I will be very happy to be proven completely wrong about that. Nothing would make me more joyful. But from a policy perspective, it's a mistake to assume that we're wrong. If we do nothing, we're only storing up more trouble for the future. But if we act now, we can potentially do something about it. Act now in what way? So I think the good news is that while the Russian state is very savvily using digital media to influence young people's opinions, the state is also very lax about cyber security and digital security. They don't have the technological capacity that, for example, the Chinese state does to monitor what's happening online. And the state is borderline incompetent in almost all things. Therefore, we can intervene. We can be in those social media spaces. We can be talking to these young Russians. We can be showing them different visions of what it can mean to be a young Russian. That you can be a Russian and be queer. That you can be a Russian and peaceful. That you don't have to engage in militarism to be a good citizen. And we can show them lots of examples of Russians from history who've done so. So we just have to rewrite the stories that the state is writing for them. The kind of offensive cyber, well, here in the UK, more money's gone into recently, that that would be a sort of use for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't like framing it in terms of war and cyber war Mm -hmm. because I feel it almost admits to the Russian state that we are waging war with them. And I think that's a very morally awkward and strategically improper thing to do. But in a sense, it's a defensive act. Mm. If we can convince kids not to pick up guns ultimately and fire them at Ukrainians or whoever is the next target, then that is a victory of sorts. Thinking back to those TikTok videos and, and the kind of ones that people like Maria were doing, what do you think when you look at them? They all seem so happy and, and are doing fun things, but they're being absolutely brutalised. I mean, it was, it's quite upsetting, weirdly, thinking about what lies ahead for them. It is, and... I've probably come across as very cynical and pessimistic and maybe even angry about what's happening. And, and in a sense, I'm angry. But I would say above all, I'm, I'm sad. Because that Russia that was possible in the 1990s when this plurality of opinions and ideas exploded and when a majority of Russians by some distance said they wanted to become more liberal, they wanted to become more democratic, that Russia has gone. And for these kids, you know, they are just kids. It's not their fault what is happening. 
it's sad to think that they're being pushed in this direction towards more war, which is going to mean their own lives being poorer economically and morally too. Mm. And of course, it's going to mean there are other very real victims, Ukrainians today, but who knows tomorrow. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Luke Jones, and my guest, Dr. Ian Garner. Dr. Garner's book, Z Generation, Into the Heart of Russia's Fascist Youth, is available now. And if you're a subscriber to The Times, you can follow all the latest news from the war in Ukraine at thetimes.co.uk. The producers were Edward Drummond and Max Kendix. The executive producer is Kate Ford. And sound design was by Tom Birchall. If you can, leave us a review. It helps other people find us. See you soon. 